This is Chad and Mark with I Want to Know doing a morning podcast that we don't... I want to know. We're already <laughs> off the rails on this one. We, we started this early because Chad is already completely confused and I'm already making fun of him. Oh my goodness, it's a hard So we're trying to morning. figure out what UFC fighter makes a funny face and it's from Brazil. Chad's going absolutely fucking nuts right now trying to figure this out. I, um, UFC heavyweight fighters. Um... Stupid face. Stupid. Okay, let's put in stupid face in the search. Stupid face. So this started off with uh, Chad trying to figure out who this UFC fighter from Brazil is. I'm pretty sure there are no UFC fighters that are from Brazil. That's the face you made. That's him. That's uh, Who is that? <sighs> that is so retarded that I can't come up with the... Yeah, I don't think it's the Everybody is person. probably screaming on the other side saying... It's this guy, you moron, and I just can't think about it. I think everyone's is. screaming, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It'll come. Uh, so, what's I think I'm going to go with, if you don't know his name, even after looking up a picture. Fabricio Verdum. Oh, okay. Fabricio Verdum. That's hard to say early in the morning with my mouth guards in. Oh, my we should do that. We should do a podcast and we'll put our mouth, like our actual fighting mouth guards in. <laughs> I'm sure people would love that. Yeah. Uh, that's retarded. We'll I do uh, We should do that. We'll do it, uh, a video podcast and we'll have subtitles. Video podcast with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> just do it with their mouth guards. But let's get somebody who wasn't actually there and they can just make up what we're saying. Ooh, that like would those, be pretty good. Like eh? those Japanese voiceover game yeah. show things? Or uh, what's that? That bad mouth uh, reading. Crap. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious when the guy does that. Uh, we'll just talk. Yeah, they okay. can just make it up. That might have to be later on when we have more technology. So what are we talking? We're talking about men- mental illness today, I think, is what you're saying? A uh, little bit. Men's health, mental illness, and then... Uh, so well, let's let's start the story and we'll figure out what the actual topic's going to be. Um, so where I, did we come from on this? Because I know I was bitching about people with mental illness today, and you were bitching <laughs> with people with mental illness today. And Well, I'm not really complaining, because I actually quite enjoy being around people with mental illness. So do I, and that seems to be the problem with some people, is I enjoy arguing with the mentally ill far too much, um, or as we call that today, social media. Yeah, well, yeah, you that was your issue this morning, <laughs> was getting kicked off of social media, because you were speaking sanely and asking good questions and that made some people really really mad i I walked into an echo tank where they are literally trying to tear each other apart who um based on not whether they disagree but based on whether they agree enough and the right way on their topics and i walked in there and brought up that maybe they should research their facts and uh consider their bias before that and wow i uh that made them mad uh it was like private messages like you can't do this mad (laughs) That, that, yeah. I, I, sometimes I don't understand social media and uh, the issues that people have on there and what they're voicing and why, what, why are you doing it on there? Like, if you... Well, we've, we've gone from correction to a competition, which I think is the biggest problem. Um, it's no longer about uh, right or wrong. It's who's more right. And I think when you walk in there and try and make the point that maybe this isn't right at all, is when you th- take things off the rails. And when things go off the rail on social media, they go way, go way off, off the, the rails. rails. I know lots of people have talked about this on how 
Because you're not face to face, because you're not having to read the other person. I love that we're not face to face because, frankly, the people that I talk to online wouldn't say what they say to me face to face that they say online. Mm. The balls that they have online is much different than what anyone is willing to say to me face to face. Well, that is absolutely true. There's there's no doubt that people are going to uh, go way outside of their comfort zone on a computer than they would on. Like this is not out of their comfort zone. It's just no. Like when you sweat, like you were saying, when you sweat walking upstairs and have to take a break halfway, you're not going to threaten to kick my ass in person but you will absolutely do it online oh for sure it's the uh, the guy in the basement in his mom's basement can't figure out how to get through life and he sits down there and bad mouths everybody and picks fights and, and takes and a break ass. halfway through his bagel bite yeah <laughs> to, to take a deep breath yeah Oh, yeah. Has to grab some sort of comfort item to, like, calm himself down. Right. Get his blankie or his soothie or... Well, face-to-face, you can't make threats that you can't back up, and you also can't take time to go Google your facts and find your echo chamber to support your beliefs. I, uh, that's not the kind of... I I don't like that kind of mental illness. Those aren't the ones that are fun for me. The, The ones that are fun for me are, like... Uh, I worked in Vancouver's Chinatown security guard and they released a bunch of people into the public that said, well, if you're on medication, you should be able to be fine in public. Well, the problem when you're on your own with a mental illness and need medication, you don't always remember to take it. And so these people ended up homeless and just had the wildest imagination, crazy stories. Um, Maybe they're the same people that you're talking to online right now is that... Well, I heard a really interesting, um, uh, I think a comedian was making the point about how back in like the old days, if you go back in time to like the 80s or something, that our classic joke for someone who, or uh, the character that that we would make for someone who was crazy is we put them in like a Napoleon costume and have them running around doing crazy things. Nowadays, we give them a uh, voice and we argue with them. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the voice, I mean social media exactly anywhere really yeah anywhere like if you think about um i think a really good example is just you think about how most people don't agree with what's said on social media most people aren't the ones that are screaming at each other about all these different aspects of life about gender let's let's take gender right most people don't care um most people have the mentality of like the bathroom in my house is for anyone that wants to use it i don't really care how they use it as long as they don't make a mess true enough uh, whereas then, then you take outside that we get online and we have people going like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm so pro whatever gender rights you want that I'm going to just lose my goddamn mind and find ways to nitpick it. And the people that are just, you know, if you do this, you're going to fuck my kids in the bathroom. Yeah. And it makes it seem like those are the only two opinions you can have. When in reality, no, like almost nobody has those opinions. Most people just do not fucking care. Right. But you get you get pulled into this depending on where you're at in the day or that conversation or that argument is. Yeah. Well, I personally don't get pulled into them, but I I think it's kind of that that old saying: the squeaky wheel gets grease. So people that aren't normally heard will find something that's um, controversial, and they'll they'll stick to their guns on it, and then they'll speak online like, "Well, we shouldn't have." Um, dual gender bathrooms and and I'm not a big fan of those but I really don't care like the truth of the matter is if my kid went into a bathroom that was dual gender I'm going to be outside I'm going to watch I'm going to wait and see what happens if someone weird goes in there and then I'm probably going to go in um you know if it's in a school well it's a bunch of kids what does it matter like we used to pee outside together It, it it's it's really no big deal and again those aren't the crazy people that I like 
I like the... Well, in, here's the case. So here's, here's a reality check, I think, on that. How often do you actually encounter a situation where your kids are in danger like that, no matter anywhere? Like, whether that's the walking around on the street or that's going to the bathroom. Like, first of all, like, let's the just... The label on the door is not stopping a predator. Absolutely not. Like, right. you're telling me that just because your son goes to the boys' room that he's not going to get fucked by some gross old man who's allowed to be in there also? Yeah. How does that change the fact that just because someone's transgender that that's, that's going to increase the odds? And first of all, how many people actually encounter someone who's transgender? Yeah. And then factor that into how many, how often is that going to have a, some sort of negative reaction? Yeah. Like, trust me, like, I'm pretty sure that if some, if, like, some huge dude with a beard walks into the women's bathroom... He is going to be so scrutinized the entire time he's in there right. that if he does the slightest thing, yeah. it will be repercussions beyond it's what going, you'd have to worry about. It's going to be head down, eyes forward, not side to side looking. Like he, if, if that was the case, that that men were allowed to be in bathrooms, they're just going to be so cautious inside there. They're not going to, you know, talk or make conversation. A normal person wouldn't do that inside of a bathroom situation. Yeah, and I think it, what it really comes down to is going to the bathroom should be a private experience. And that's what you've been arguing about is whether going to the bathroom is public or private. Yeah. And without a doubt, yeah, as a little kid, we used to sword fight. We'd just go find a tree, we'd piss on it, and we'd try and, like, <laughs> piss, like, cross the streams, right? And make jokes about the uh, Ghostbusters while we were doing it, I was just going right? to say Ghostbusters. <laughs> Don't so, cross the streams! But on the other hand, like, the thought, like, you know, anyone who's got, like, a little, like, a little girl, the yeah. thought of, like, holding it in to the point where they have actual, like, physical ailments because they're afraid to take a shit in front of a little boy. Yeah. That's an issue, too. It is. So let's talk about privacy, not gender. Right. Let's talk about having bathrooms where you go in by yourself you use it yeah and you leave and it doesn't matter who uses that like you walk um uh like my daughter uh in when she was in kindergarten they used to have a bathroom in the classroom just because those little kids are constantly going and oh, they can't go by themselves good idea right but that bathroom wasn't for boys it wasn't for girls it was for whoever needed it yeah oddly enough in that school <clears> they also had a boys and a girls room which i think is just that 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 just goes to prove how ridiculous the situation is when you Sorry, break it boys down. and girls Bathroom. Yeah. Oh, separate. Yeah, yeah. like any, anywhere you go, the mall, the school, yeah. they're going to have a boys' room, they're going to have a girls' room, yet when you break it into the classroom, there's one. Yeah. It's a private room you can go by yourself and do your business. Right. So why can't we just have that for everything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that at all. I mean, the predators are going to be the predators. They're, there's... They, they always will be around, and it's our job as parents to protect our kids. But a label on a door is not going to change a predator's mind. The uh, I love the idea of having a bathroom in kindergarten. That that's brilliant. Not making them hold it. And my kids just complained the other day that uh, uh, they got home from school and was uh, rushing to the bathroom. I know. Why don't you just go to the bathroom? Well, they wouldn't let us. Well, they wouldn't let you. And for whatever reason, the teacher had a power trip, or there was something going on, or my son misunderstood. Whatever it was, he was stuck in the bathroom and couldn't go. I love that. Yeah. It's a tricky thing when you're raising kids. Like, I definitely raise my daughter with the fuck you mentality. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't raise victims, and I don't raise people who feel that they need to be pushed around. Right. And that comes to everything. Yeah. And I literally will tell her, if you need to go to the bathroom and your teacher says no, then you get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. I, I really don't care. Like... As long as you're willing to deal with the consequences of your actions, yeah. then you do it. And if the consequence of your action is getting in trouble because you're standing up for what you know is right yeah. or pissing yourself, yeah. what do you think you should be doing in that case? True. And the trick is like just letting them know that you, they have your support in doing that. Yeah. 
Because I would literally, like, I, I feel that, like, her teacher owes me as much of an explanation as she owes her teacher as oh. to why she got up and disobeyed them in class. A hundred percent. And trust me, if I'm sitting down and I'm going, why did you make my kid piss herself in class? You better have a really fucking good explanation for that. Right. Just like my daughter better have a really good explanation if she goes to the bathroom when the teacher says no and then goofs off while she's doing it. Right. So, the consequence is there for everyone. I, I 100% agree, and I, uh, I encourage my kids to question teachers about their rules and to uh, speak up for themselves. Like, you know, if there's a no going to the bathroom rule during a test, well, I sort of get that. But if you have to go ask beforehand, and, and if it's really an emergency, you can get up and go, and then you have to explain yourself. And I'm always there to back them up, as long as they're not being jerks or disrespectful or... Um, you know, outside the realm of what they should be doing as a teacher-student relationship. Well, it's, it's, it's the mentality we have these days of raising fucking idiots where we don't have the gray areas, where we don't have reasoning behind what we do. And that's just simply what it comes down to. You just can't make a rule that's supposed to protect people because the, the minority might abuse it. Yeah. Like, we punish people for breaking <clears throat> the rules. We don't punish everyone because they might break the rules. Yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely true. And, and I get there's got to be some kind of unity and some kind of um, control of the chaos inside of a school or uh, inside of a home or, you know, wherever you are. There has to be some sort of control. Well, it's, it's respect, right, is what it comes down to. And right. that, it's, it's a funny word because we put so much meaning behind the word respect. Yeah. And then we don't put any effort to define that. Right. And to me, respect does not mean that I am going to tolerate your shit. Yeah. It means that I am not going to disrespect you with your shit. Yeah. Oh, my uh, dog's chasing a cat in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's the video aspect. We'll have your dog chasing cats. Here. There you go. No, um, I, I completely agree that uh, uh, the students have to respect the teachers and their elders if they deserve it. We actually just heard a sermon this weekend talking about... Um, that's the should, interesting thing though, right? Like, what, what, what the, where's the lines in what respect is though? Well, this is sort of what... The, the sermon was about. They were saying that we should love uh, everybody, like the, the, to, to treat them well. But respect is earned. So if a teacher is a good teacher and handles the class well and, you know, listens and helps and does all the stuff a teacher is supposed to do, well, then you're going to probably respect them and their rules a little bit more where you can have a good conversation. But if a student doesn't feel like they can have a good conversation with a teacher, regardless of the... Um, grade or the age level of it, then that teacher probably doesn't deserve the respect. And you'll usually see that in the classroom behavior. Um, my daughter had a teacher a couple of years ago that anything, anytime something didn't go her way, she would yell and scream at the whole class. And uh, that my daughter just had zero respect for her. She oh, came absolutely. home and said, this lady's crazy. Like, you know, why is she yelling at me when Billy, I don't know why I was playing Billy, but Billy, um, Billy can't can't control his bowel movements inside the class and he's farting all the time so she starts yelling. Well, I think the problem I think any parent can tell you that the worst thing you can do for bad behavior is to antagonize it. Right. And the worst thing you can do for a bunch <laughs> of kids with bad behavior is antagonize it and then let it build up. Right. Um, my daughter had one teacher in grade two who uh, she was horrible. My daughter would be like, yeah, my teacher just cries at school all the time. <laughs> And then she yells at us and doesn't tell us why she's yelling at us. And, you know, sure enough, she got fired and wasn't there the next year. Yeah. But what gets me is, like, it was obviously dealt with the fact through the school, through the parents, through the kids. Everyone realized this person shouldn't be here teaching. Right. But it was dealt with, like, after the fact by firing her. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like this, you know, and I would, I, I told her, like, she doesn't deserve your respect. You need to, like, 
you need to go in there and like I don't know it's like the difference between um, blind obedience yeah. and earned respect right and I think that that's the big difference is that so uh, I just supposed to your daughter's name I don't want to do that uh, your daughter will have to earn her own respect by the way she treats people around her so she could yell back at the teacher or throw things or be a jerk about it or she can come home have a good conversation with you and then you can come in with her and well, be an advocate for the class it's just as important to demand respect as it is to define what is respect and what deserves respect respect is when someone is giving you respect and yeah. you give it back respect right. is considering where that person's coming from. Yeah. Respect is not doing what some dick says you're doing. Like, is it respect when a bully bullies you and you take it? Because that's pretty no, much what we're no, talking no. about here. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, the, that's the difference. Like, respect has to be earned. So well, on both sides, it has to be earned. So a student that's a jerk all the time won't earn the teacher's respect and get good reactions back by, by the teacher or the other students. And it's so important, I think, for mental health, for uh, being a confident adult, to appreciate the fact that people that respect you deserve respect in return and vice versa. And identifying what respect is and learning what it is is, yeah. is a huge, huge factor because there's a lot of people out there who just do not get respected, do not ask to be respected, and then deal with the consequences that come from not being respected. What's the actual definition of respect? Uh, I don't know. It's in that song where they spell it. <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I shouldn't sing on the air. That's not how you spell respect. What did I say? No, I'm just <laughs> Wow, your plumbing is really loud in here, eh? dishwasher started. Oh, fail in the studio. Why do we have a dishwasher in the studio? Well, because we go through lots of dishes and uh, it's not being in my kitchen. I don't know. Yeah, there just really isn't a way around. Yeah, it's I funny. Like I punched my wife in the face for turning that on. She didn't know we were doing a podcast. <laughs> and I don't really punch my wife in the face. I threaten my wife and my kids all the time to punch them in the face every time I'm frustrated and they all know that I'll never do it. Well, I don't know. Speaking of punching people in the face, I, I, I taught my daughter that there's certain behaviors that are, are acceptable, and this is coming down to bullying. When we were talking about what is okay to take from somebody and what is not okay to take from somebody and how you deal with that. Yeah. And I don't really care what anyone says. Violence is effective, and sometimes violence is necessary. And I've taught her that if somebody touches you and you don't want them to touch you, and they won't stop, you beat the holy fuck out of them. And you make sure you know how to do that before you do it. And, you know, that's that's a situation I've dealt with in school. Um, You know, you can't beat beat up your teacher or anything, but that does mean you stand up for yourself. Right. If you think you are right to the point where you're willing to cause conflict over it, do it. Just make sure that you are right. Well, and you absolutely said it perfectly later. Any action that you have, you have to be willing to accept the consequences for that action. So if you decide to punch someone in the face because they're, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching they're just they're pushing you past your limit, they're not letting you go, they're whatever, they're driving you and you punch them in the face, there's going to be consequences for that. Um, and like anything, like, you know, breaking, bringing it down to fighting again, you don't walk into the ring and then worry about how you're going to throw a hook. Right. You practice that for a very long time. Right. You define how to do it. You define when the right time to do it is. That's the same thing for any conflict. It doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be violent. Yeah, if you figure out conflicts. at what point in time has this person crossed a line, because when it's happening, that's not the time to figure out if the, a line's been crossed and how you should deal with it. 
No, I agree. I agree completely. I, uh, I have it, like, this, sorry, sorry, just, like a good example of that is you have the people who are like, you know, I'm totally fine, but you spit on me and I'll fucking kill you. Right. There, that's that line defined. Right. But maybe let's break that down to like, you know, the verse, the difference between you disagree with me, you disrespected me to, I feel trapped. Right. Those are big differences. I, I totally agree. My daughter went through a, a bullying situation probably in grade two or three. And uh, what it was is that every recess or lunch hour, the girl from an older grade, a bigger girl from the older grade, would tell her that she has to uh, go play this specific game with her. And uh, I noticed, I found this out after the fact, but my daughter's um, attitude was changing quite significantly um, over about a week or two period where she'd come home, she'd be grumpy, she'd be mean to her brother. And so I finally confronted her and said, what's going on? Like, why are you coming home so upset? And then she told me about this girl that would um, force her to play this game. And it wasn't a bad game. There was no touching. There was no meanness. It was just that she felt like if she had to play the game or something bad was going to happen. So I said, well, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go to school, and in the morning, while you guys are walking into the school, you're going to go up to this girl and say, at recess, I'm not playing the game today. I'm going to go play with so-and-so, and you're welcome to join us if you want to play our games. And then uh, at recess, you just go do what you said you're going to do. And if it gets out of hand, well, then you have to deal with it either physically or verbally, but you have to deal with it. And so my daughter, very, very tiny little girl, um, was nervous about it, but she went and did it. In the morning, she got off the bus, she went and found the girl, said, this is what's happening today. And uh, then at recess, she went off and played with her other friends. She got home that day from school, and I says, well, how did it go? And she's like, she didn't even come talk to me. And I'm like, this is easy. That's how you deal with conflict. Like, this is what's going to happen. This is my thoughts, my space, my time. I'm going to do this with it. So there's nothing wrong with playing this game with this girl when you want to. But if you feel like you're forced to, you have to take care of it. Now, I don't think this girl was a bully or trying to be mean. It was her way of getting friendship. She just said, uh, we're going to do this. And she was a big, intimidating girl. And so she got to do it most of the time. And that's an interesting situation. I like I, I'm pretty I don't really have a lot of sympathy when it comes to adults. In fact, I think I might be completely dead in whatever that nerve or gene is. <laughs> I, I honestly do not have empathy, except for when it comes to kids. I really, yeah. I really feel for kids and unfortunately it's something you have to stop and, and kind of consider is that not everyone's fucked up kids are your problem right. and you've got to put yours first yeah which which is tough because like you said that that girl probably just didn't know how to communicate well her right. socialization skills weren't there yeah. uh so you kind of want to on one hand you're trying to tell your kid to stand up for themselves on the other hand you're worried about how this other kid is and you're like well that really sucks that, that kid's like that maybe we can find a way to help them and but you know what? When it comes down to it, you got to take care of your own. Jordan Peterson says it best. He says, first, do oh, what's right for you. We're talking about Peterson. <laughs> I do enjoy uh, reading and listening to Peterson. But, you know, and it makes sense. First, do what's right for you. Then do what's right for you and your family and, and that whole thing. And 
when it comes to other people's kids, I first want to do right, what's right for mine. I don't want my daughter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When my daughter's being bullied, I'm, I'm, all I can think is, like, what's wrong with that poor fucking kid? Right, exactly. Like, kids are kids. All they've yeah. got is a reaction to their environment. They haven't got to the spot yet, especially younger kids where they can actually go, oh, I don't want to act this way or this is not the right way in this situation. All they do is mimic what they see in their... Oh, absolutely. Family. Like, the thought of your kid getting hit is horrible. But when you find out that that's how that kid deals with all of their problems, you just start thinking, like, what's going on at home? Right. What's going wrong? Like, what's just happening to this kid? Is What's happening to this kid or what's not happening to this kid that they just deal oh. with everything in, in, a, in violence? And what I would, you know, it's funny because I'm very much like violence solves problems. But yeah. unfortunately, a lot of those problems are problems that are caused by violence also. Well, you know what? Growing up, I was a very tiny kid as well. Um, I was a new kid in school all the time. I got bullied a fair amount. And how I gained my friend, and I actually thought this is how you made friends, was the first guy that bullied me in school. I jumped him, and I well, didn't always win. I picked a fight. I started throwing punches. Sometimes I got my butt kicked, and sometimes I won the fight. But I almost always ended up being friends with that guy, um, with that person that I fought. And uh, Combat is, uh, I think, combat where someone doesn't die. And it doesn't really have any real consequences is some of like the most bonding you can possibly have with somebody. Well, and I think there's a respect behind that, right? If we have a disagreement and we battle it out and then when we're done, we're done. I'm not mad that I got hit. You're not mad that you got hit. All we've said is like, okay, we're now equals, right? Or we've, we've settled the problem through this does combat and I'm not suggesting everyone go to school and beat up their bully that's, that's <laughs> well it's a different all. world today too it's it really factor, is factor right but I know that it worked really well for me and so what I tell my kids now is like go have a discussion with that person don't do it in the heat don't do it when they're trying to bully you like you can walk away there's lots of other tools to handle it but the best way to handle it is in a good frame of mind when you're not frustrated like my daughter first thing in the morning go up to the girl and say hey this is what's happening today like it or lump it and off you go and it worked that's all she had to do so now she's got a tool that anytime someone does that she can go oh, okay well let's see what this is all about and then she doesn't want to do it anymore at the end of whatever's going on she can say you know what thanks for inviting me but i'm not doing that anymore see i think it, one of these days we got to figure out a way to turn it into where we can have an interview with some people and talk about what it was like for them going to school so yeah. i think it blows my mind how uh how people even that went to school at the same time frame went to had completely different experiences yeah uh like when i look back on what it was like for me to go to school it's definitely not a scenario for my daughter by any means right. but i look at the values i got from that and it was good and bad like it's tricky for me um i was absolutely a bully when i went to school but i wasn't the biggest bully that i was when uh, in my school and i got bullied i definitely bullied other kids um and violence was a huge part of my my going to school like from a very young age we fought all the time and it was a weird situation where fighting wasn't necessarily something we did out of anger we just fought each other that's just the type of kids we were yeah yeah there's lots of that for me too i fought my friends and it wasn't because i didn't like them it was because we liked to fight right um, which, you know, obviously that, that sort of brings up a certain aspect into your, uh, your, your social environment is if you're the kid who is ready to beat the crap out of his best friend on a daily basis, the likelihood of you getting bullied through violence is pretty low. It is. And, and you know what, times are different because I remember being pulled into the principal's office for fighting in, you know, grade four, grade five, uh, those younger times. And it seemed like when a mom or a supervisor, like a, a recess supervisor, pulled us in, they were pretty stressed out about the whole situation. And then all of a sudden, there was just a principal, me and 
the other guy and we'd have a discussion and if it was settled, it was settled. That was it. We left. We never got punishment. We never got anything. But if you were to, two friends were to battle it out to settle whatever argument you have, which is, a, I think, a rite of passage for, for boys at least, that uh, if you were to be pulled into the office now, I don't think that it would be settled that way. If you go, oh, we just had a disagreement. We punched it out. I'm good now. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good Things now. Things are so weird though now. Like, <laughs> I, there's no question that if I pulled what I, like if I did what I had done back when I was in school now, I would be like taken away from my parents. I'd probably be put into yeah. some sort of like legal system. Like I literally fought somebody almost every day. I destroyed school property on a regular basis. Yeah. I would swore and I swore and threatened teachers and yeah. staff constantly. Uh, I remember bringing weapons to school, like not with the intention of hurting anybody. It's just what we did, right? Yeah. And you look at like what that would be like now. It's just we don't live in the same world by any means, which is interesting though too, right? Like I remember back when I was a kid, it was all about walking the line before you got the strap. Yeah. Which is funny when you think like in hindsight, because to me it was just normal. I was like, yeah, don't fuck up too bad or they're going to hit you with a belt. And yeah. it was like, but you can think about it now. Like literally that's how we dealt with kids is we, we hit them with a weapon. Right. You stop fighting or I'm going to beat the daylights up. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, and that was an interesting mentality to give. It's like there's a bigger fish in, in this ocean and yeah. I'm it. Well, and that's, that's what the principal or vice principal's deal was, right? They were the bigger, stronger person, and whatever they say had to go, and whether that meant a strap or, you know, a paddle on the butt or back of the legs or whatever it is, that's what, what, that's what they did. I remember probably grade three, I got, uh, three or four, I got into a fight with a kid in the class. A teacher had left the classroom. There was, I think he was ill. And this kid was being a jerk beside me. He kicked me and threw something at me, and I was at my wit's end for whatever reason. And so I jumped him and just started grounding and pounding this kid uh, in the classroom right when the principal walked inside. So I'm on top, bam, 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 hitting this kid. And the principal picked us both up, took us out into the hallway, and was yelling at us. Not only was he yelling at us, he was like, you think you're tough? And he'd take me and slam me into the other kid and vice versa, take that kid and slam him into me. He pushed the other kid so hard that his head bounced off my head and gave me a black eye. Never called my parents, never did nothing. That's what settled it was when I got smashed in the face by this other kid's head, put us back in class. Uh, Our teacher had left for the day, so he was running the class. We just sit there quiet all day, had a headache, had a swollen eye. I get home, my parents see that I've got a black guy. And my uh, mom says, what happens? I've got to fight at school. She's like, you know, just not into listening to me fight. My dad got home, said, uh, what happened to your eye? So I got in a fight at school. He goes, oh, the the kid hit you? I'm like, no, he never hit me once. Well, how'd you get the black eye? And so I told him about the principal. My mom overheard the story. Well, she went down to the school the next day and chewed this guy out for like 20 minutes till he was in tears. Like, we're calling the police. We're calling social services. We're going to have you fired. Like everything. Because he abused two kids for duking it out. Not that we were right for duking it out, but we, that's all it was. Um, we were totally fine afterwards. The next day, we didn't have a problem. So it's interesting when you talk, like when people get into these assumptions about why kids turn up the way they do and the way to deal with it. Uh, my parents, my parents were the very much, they didn't believe in uh, violence. The, and like there weren't, we didn't get hit yeah. for doing things that were wrong. Um, 
Although to this day I have like I get a, uh, a chill down my spine listening to someone walk downstairs because I used to have my my room was in a basement and it, the only time my father came down the stairs was to give me shit. Yeah. So if I when I hear someone walking downstairs to this day I get a chill through my spine. <laughs> but with that said, my best friend going to school was like the, the white trash kid and he got the holy shit beat out of him on a regular basis at home. Yeah. And we turned out exactly the same. Yeah. We both we we literally we done get on our bikes, meet somewhere and beat the shit out of each other with sticks. Yeah. Like that was our thing. We'd start fires, we'd hit each other, we'd beat up other kids. We were the exact same kid and we grew up about like I was upper middle class, he was probably lower class. I grew up without violence in my home. He got the shit beat out of him. Yeah. We were like totally different environments and we were exactly the same person. Well, I think that's the problem with everything in this world where they try to have one rule for everybody or, you know, if you do this, you're this. Well, maybe that's not true of everybody. I can fight regularly. Um, when I was training, we would spar every day, beat the daylights out of each other, um, armbar, chokes, you know, kicks to the head, concussions, all that kind of stuff. I didn't come home and do that to my family, but there's fighters that do, right? Uh, war Machine, uh, married to the porn star guy you know he couldn't shut it off at the gym everything turned into violence well how do you say that all fighters are awful he had a mental illness he had massive concussions there's all kinds of issues with that guy i get that but other guys can do the exact same thing and come home and be good dads i think he had pretty reasonable responses to what he did i think the only problem is is he was in situations where reasonable responses were not <laughs> was, what you want. I, I don't I don't know how someone gets into a situation like that. I'm not downplaying uh, porn stars or people that marry him or anything like that. But you have to understand that well, you if can't, you're okay. married to a porn star, you're not the only one touching your wife. Well, but you have rules, right? I guess. Like if you're it's one it, there's a big difference your wife goes to work and fucks other guys. Is it but when you come home and she's fucking someone in your bed, that's a big difference. Yeah. And, and even more so if you're married to a porn star for the fact that you probably have very defined rules. And it's a, it's a big deal when you I break that one rule. I didn't have a defined rule. I, like, it's hard to say. There's no question that guy's kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, you don't put a loaded gun in your mouth and be surprised when it goes off. Right. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's it's a messed up situation, but kind of my point is is that you can't set a rule saying that all MMA fighters are abusers because lots of them aren't, but some of them most definitely are, right? That there's well, it's going to be a stick. I remember one time I was listening to uh, someone from an organized crime group talk mm-hmm. about uh, racism, and it's 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 a statement that I've really taken to relate to a lot of things. And he said, "We are not a racist organization." Without a doubt, we have racist members, but it is not a part of our doctrination. Yeah. Or our doctrine. And that made, to me, that, that defined a lot of things in my head. Like, yeah, absolutely, fighters, you're going to have violent people who have violent tendencies outside of the sport as fighters because mm-hmm. you're drawing from the population. Right. The population as a whole are going to have a wide spectrum of people. They're going to have racists. They're going to have people who are violent. They're going to have crazy people. You can't. You can't take a group of people and say, like, this is this is what everyone is like. Right. Well, we talked about it this weekend. We have a friend that's a Calgary police officer, and uh, we were talking about how police officers act in certain situations, and it's because they're just normal people with 
um, the, the normal issues everyone has. So some, some react really well in, in bad situations and others not so much. PTSD, TBIs, um, there's high rates of uh, bankruptcy and divorce. I didn't want to say it at the time though, but I think there's also a lot of factors that come into things. I, I heard a Navy SEAL one time in an interview uh, talking with someone, and it's pretty pretty well known that military families have a high level of divorce. Yeah. Uh, within the SEAL teams, they have a much much higher level rate of divorce. Yeah. And of course, like what everyone falls back to is like, oh, it's a very high stress job. These poor people are doing the best that they can, mm-hmm. and the job is just ruining families. And his response was. Yeah, you know, that would be probably be really good if we gave some people some, like, coping mechanisms. But realistically, teaching SEALs not to marry fucking insane strippers would probably be a really much better idea. <laughs> and who knows that number? It'd be like, it'd nice to see the stats on if that's what normally happens with SEALs. So I'm, I, I follow the online dating thing quite regularly. We've talked yeah. about that before. Mark, single guy. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you that the type of girls that go for cops yeah. are not the type of girls that I'm shocked are causing cops a lot of problems at home. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that might be very true too. I, uh, I I don't know the stats on it, and it makes sense, right? That there's going to be, it's not 100% true, but there's going to be a bit of a rule in there where, uh, I know for, for instance, nurses, that a lot of nurses date people with health issues or mental health issues. Nurses have health issues. Yeah. Nurses and hairdressers are the same people. <laughs> nurses are just a, the, the, all, the only difference to me is a nurse is someone who is better at school. Yeah, well, it... Yeah, I don't know enough about hairdressers, but I know quite a few nurses, and, and it seems Fucking like it's... crazy. It, it really is, and there's like this culture that's, you know, uh, a police officer's wives or husbands. There's a culture for uh, who nurses I think really marry. any job, though, where you're required to have emotional output is like a requirement of the job, not an option. I think you're going to be either it'll make you crazy or you're crazy in the first place. Yeah. I, Which, you I know, hey, we need people like that. 100%. And, the, and there's stresses involved, and we're not in that industry, and to say that they're crazy, well, they're crazy to us, and uh, right? And it's relative. You know, I, I know lots of nurses, and I wouldn't consider them crazy. Well, it's kind of like, are we going to, like, sit around and say that someone who does autopsies is crazy? Well, fuck yeah. They play with dead bodies, and they're cool with it. But we need them. We Someone's got to do that job. That's what I don't get. I just don't get it. I met a guy that uh, he, he wasn't a mortician or what are the doctors that does autopsies, but he worked for one. And so he had to move dead bodies around. And I'm like, how are you okay with that? Like, I just, I'm not that guy. I couldn't do that job. You couldn't pay me enough to go pick up a dead body and move it to as, as a job. I, uh, I didn't get it. And he was totally fine. He's like, well, they're not people anymore. They're just, it's a body. There's respect to it. But he just didn't see it as like, oh, that's Bob that works at the post office and has a family. He's just like, no, no, no. It's, it's yeah, kind of. I guess it goes move. back to that whole point about you have to understand that there's going to be a spectrum to any group of people. Yeah. But I got to say, like anyone, like nurses, every nurse I've encountered has been fucking crazy. Every hairdresser I've encountered <laughs> has been fucking crazy. And everyone I've encountered that deals with dead bodies as a job is fucking crazy. Like, yeah. they've all been involved either in organized crime or else have been goths. Wow. So, yeah, I'm sure that's not everybody. Well, it can but, be, but yeah, there's, there's always sort of a culture around a job. We're, uh, we kind of got off topic a little bit on, on I don't mental need, illness. We don't really have a topic today, do we? Well, sort We're of. just kind of like complaining about people today. <laughs> Early morning bitchiness. That's maybe, yeah. Then, uh, I know, I kind of drove over here like thinking like, fuck everybody. So, did you? Yeah, kind of. I'm having one of those days. I need I, to go eat some pizza. I, uh, I woke up this morning very, um, 
confused and tired. My son had asthma attack in the middle of the night last night. It took me a while to calculate that he was having an asthma attack. So I was not really asleep and not really awake. And then when I finally realized what was going on, I got his inhaler and he was fine. He went back to sleep and it doesn't seem to affect him at all. He gets up in the morning, he's still bright eyed and bushy tailed and my brain is just on, I don't know if I need more coffee or more sleep or I need to go exercise, but uh, I'll figure it out here shortly. Um, what I did want to talk about though is um, over the, this whole weekend, I was discussing men's health, suicide, and uh, mental illness with uh, friends, family. So, excuse me, the story I wanted to get to was um, this is very close to the anniversary of uh, two people I know that committed suicide. And two very different situations. Uh, the one was uh, like my best friend, my little brother throughout high school. He, um, you know, I don't know that he necessarily had the best home life from his standpoint. It was a really, really bad life. And I wasn't there, so I'm not judging the parents. Uh, but there obviously was something going on that uh, wasn't good for this particular person. So, you know, he did all the regular stuff. Acted up in school, got out of school, got into drugs, got into crime. Sort of straightened up a little bit. Still did a lot of drugs. Uh, when he was around uh, 40, uh, committed suicide, hung himself. Uh, lots of stuff going around it being that, uh, you know, he was on uh, a prescription drug to quit smoking, being Champix, and, you know, I did Champix when I quit smoking, and it's, it's a messed up pharmaceutical, but it worked. It worked for me, and maybe it was the cause of his, or maybe his lifestyle was the cause of it, or maybe all the cocaine and, and meth and everything else he did was the cause of it. Who knows? But obviously his life didn't end up the way he wanted and it was high stress and he committed suicide. And I have another friend about a year ago uh, was um, good family upbringing, uh, had money, had a loving wife and two daughters, exercised regularly, had accomplished many skills, was a black belt in jiu-jitsu, uh, was well loved by his students. Everything was going right, yet he, still committed suicide. Uh, hard to understand. I understand uh, my buddy from high school's reason, or not the reasons, I understand what led him to that position a little bit more, being that life didn't go very well. And then you see someone else where life is going very, very well, and they have the, the, the same end result. And, you know, Anthony Bourdain, obviously, most recently, a uh, celebrity that committed suicide, and it seems like he had everything kind of lined up and things were going very well, although he had overcome some drug addiction in the past. I think a big problem with that is that, unfortunately, well, I don't know if it's unfortunate or not, but if anyone hasn't dealt with depression and mental illness, you can't really have an opinion on right. how that person functions. Right. Because it doesn't matter how great your family is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how happy you seem. Yeah. Dealing with depression is not the same thing. It's, that it's, was kind of my point of this, of bringing this up, is that uh, my friend from high school, his mom uh, sends me texts and emails, and we talk regularly, and she's like, well, what do you think about this? And how, is it, how do you think that is part of your friend's life? And... Um, I just see those three people as having very, very different lifestyles and all ended up in the same spot. And I, I hate using the word broken, but there's something inside their mind that's not working properly. I think it's the perspective, perhaps, because uh, to me, they all had something very similar. They were all the exact same person because depression is that big of a difference that yeah. literally if they all had depression, then that was what 
that's what they were. Yeah. Everything else, nothing else matters. Yeah. And I know two of them for sure, being Anthony Bourdain and the jiu-jitsu guy, were diagnosed with depression where my friend had never seen a doctor. So um, and I'm sure he suffered from depression. I, I don't get how you would commit suicide and not suffer from depression. Uh, there, there might be other illnesses in there. But oh, without a doubt. There's going to be other mental illnesses that will cause you to do that. Um, yeah. Oh, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of suicides ended up being failed attempted suicides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be, obviously, for other mental illnesses, I would assume that you'd want to fake a suicide. Um, actually, the last person, that's not true, the last person I knew while they actually killed themselves, I've known quite a few people that I, I stopped talking to and it turned out they died. Um, the last person I knew was in junior high school and it was, he hung himself uh, but it appeared that he was actually not trying to hang himself legitimately and was more successful than he planned on his fake attempt at suicide. And that comes down to another situation of we always talk about everyone has it so great or the environment they're in. His dad was a police officer whose job was to deal with teenage suicide. Oh, wow. So That's right there. Hard. You know what, so kind of my thought process behind this whole thing is like, well, how do we, how do we prevent this from happening? And I don't know that we can, but I think that we need to start moving towards uh, men's mental health in a much more uh, purposeful way than we have been. So my generation, we were sort of told to suck it up. You know, if you're sad, that's okay, you're sad, whatever, but you know. Purpose, I think purpose is what, like I don't think purpose is going to get rid of depression or mental illness. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to factor in the environment as, like, I think uh, depression, like, when it comes to suicide, depression is the gun, but environment is what pulls the trigger. Right. And I think that we need to give people purpose. Um, how often do you see someone killing themselves in a survival situation? You know, we talked about uh, Junger's book there, Tribe, um, and they talk about that extensively inside the book that, uh, you know, what happens when the war stops what happens when the challenges stop what happened you know and, and I look at the black belt and I go well there's a guy that accomplished a lot but he had nothing else to accomplish like there I think in his mind I think there's more that you can accomplish but in his mind he had reached the pinnacle and it hadn't given him what he wanted right he got his black belt he competed at a high level he opened a school he had all these things and maybe the only reason he got those things was because of the depression or the mental illness that it drove him. Like, I've got to find a way to accomplish and to challenge myself. And as long as he was distracted with those things, it was good. But once he reached that pinnacle, he was no longer distracted. The, you know, rolling with dudes like me is no big deal. Um, he's not being challenged on any given time or he didn't see a purpose for his life after he had reached his accomplishment. So once he got... His black belt, he competed at a high level, he got his school up and going, he had a family. There was no more challenges in his mind. And uh, I think that's sort of what you're getting at, is that we need to always sort of have strife in our life, something that's pushing us or challenging us to distract us from the, um, the, the depression, the overwhelming sadness. And maybe, and I'm just talking out loud, I don't know what the answer is, but maybe the challenges aren't the answer for everybody. Maybe they are for some people. You know, uh, my buddy from high school that committed, he, he never really forced himself into challenging situations. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, 
without a doubt, we're talking, we're both talking about challenges. I'm talking like life or death challenges. I'm talking you don't get out of bed the day you die because yeah. you didn't get food or yeah. you didn't get shelter. Okay. Um, because that's that, that's what that that's what matters. You need to have that direct correlation between your actions and your survival. And we live in a very theoretical world, or figurative, or however you want to call it. Yeah. Like, yeah, without a doubt, if you don't go to work, you're not going to have money for groceries, but the de- direct connection isn't there, right. especially with the work that most people you do. You go down to your local food bank and pick up food. And... There is that factor, too, yeah, right. for sure. You're not going to starve to death in Canada unless you want to starve to death. Yeah, I think living in the society that we live in, uh, comfort is the worst thing for people. I agree. We need conflict. We need strife. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that anyone that lives in society, or at least our society, has the option of uh, being challenged for their survival. Right. So when I say that, you know... So what's the answer then? If there's no challenges out there... And, and um, this can't be for everybody. We just talked about that. You know, some people don't need that. My, my wife is quite happy being comfortable. She doesn't like being challenged, and that's okay. And she's got good mental health. And uh, The paradox, I think, of the situation is that there's no question that when you reach a level of, of uh, depression, you need help to get out of it. Yeah. But giving things to people is the worst thing you can do, I think. How do you mean? So giving... Giving to the person that's depressed is the worst thing you can do? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Like, they need your support, but they don't need your offerings. Uh, They need your help to make accomplishments for themselves. Yeah. So, um, like, I I think you're going to find that most people that kill themselves are probably going to be... They they have the depression, probably for sure, but something else has happened in their life that's made it so it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I kind of put it, it's like kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. You're going through your entire life with this burdenous load on your back. Right. And then just one thing happens, and it's just too much to come over that last hurdle. Yeah. So the worst thing you can do is take away that hurdle, but you need to help them get over that hurdle. Yeah. So, and that's the trick, because that hurdle can be very complicated. And the difference between giving them the solution and helping them with the solution can be very, very similar. Yeah. And... I, I knew the last time I saw my friend from high school that there was something very, very wrong. I didn't know what to do. Oh, and absolutely. Wrong. There's a point where just the chemicals in your brain just overwhelm you to the point where you're beyond help yeah. from somebody, whether it be environmental or lifestyle. Like you just, there's... Even professional. Yeah. Yeah. And so one thing I noticed, the, the, I watched a video, it was the last video taken of Anthony Bourdain, and he was sort of talking... Um, to his audience and it seemed to me like he was really trying to force the fact that well everything's okay just talk to people get by like he's trying to convince himself through this speech that everything was going to be okay and the last meeting I had with my friend from high school it was sort of the same thing like oh no I got this it's all good I have some bad days but it's really not that bad and you know you should be excited about your life because you have this this and this and he was really trying to take the focus off of himself and just kind of say oh no it's okay it's okay I think that's kind of a sign of giving up people are just all that they're doing is regurgitating what they've been told and what they feel they should believe that's exactly what I felt it was is that they were saying the things that they thought the people around them wanted yeah fake it till you make it just does that's usually a pretty good plan not when it comes to dealing with suicide and depression right right and uh so that was our discussion all weekend and I was trying to think of what's a what's the solution what do we need to tell men so that 
there's less of this happening. I don't think we'll ever take it away or ever be finished with it. I mean, it's just maybe part of the human um, anatomy that just some people are not going to be able to handle it. But I would encourage anyone to to talk to their friends, talk to professionals. I just think it goes to, to show how important it is to have like a goal and a direction and establishing what matters to you. Um, I don't think that's enough to like stop depression and suicide but i think having those things in your life might be what stops you from going down that road that leads to being in a hole that you can't get out of right i think and we have to start with the kids we have to let them know that it's okay to be sad it's okay to be depressed or anxious or angry all the emotions are good to have as long as they're not the one emotion is controlling your entire life. So if you're angry all day, every day, that's something that needs to be dealt with. If you're sad all day, every day, that's something that needs to be dealt with. Well, I think what needs to be dealt with is your motivation to not be. You know, that, I think that's definitely like a before, part of it. Yeah. Like, I'd almost say that's bigger than anything else. Like, that is the problem. Like, if yeah. you're just fucking miserable, then you're lacking a reason not to be miserable. Yeah. Is what yeah. it comes down to. Definitely. Like there's, it's pretty easy to walk around and be cunty all day and legitimately be cunty because like, yeah. what's stopping you? Why, why shouldn't you? That's right. Um, like I'm fortunate that I have my daughter. I can't imagine how many things that I would not better myself for if I didn't have that motivation. Right. But you're not suggesting people just go out and pregnant women so that their life is better. I think the type of person it takes to be a good parent is a specific type of person. Yeah. And so if you're the type of person that can make your your child more important than your life yeah and your life sucks yeah go have a kid yeah <laughs> but but that might be a tricky one to figure out until it happens because yeah i uh i think you're absolutely right being being a parent uh, changes my perspective on a lot of things just because i'm a dad uh you know i'm less likely to put myself in dangerous situations but i'm more likely to set high goals for myself and go after them i'm more likely now to talk to my kids uh, and friends about, you know what, why aren't you challenging yourself? Why aren't you setting this goal? Why aren't you exercising regularly? Why aren't you looking at your diet? You know, all those things, like we talked about goals a while ago, and my long-term goal is to be a healthy, active grandparent. That uh, when my kids have kids, I want to be the ones that takes them out and teaches them to ride bikes or takes them on long hikes and, you know, teaches them about camping and rock climbing and uh, martial arts and, and all that stuff. If I'm a sick old man, I don't. I won't have the ability to do that. I want to be a blessing to my kids and their kids, and maybe even their kids if I last that long. Um, that's, that's a big deal. It's a big motivation, right? Like that's uh, that's asking a lot yeah. to for someone who for someone who just doesn't want to keep going. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's tough to keep going when you don't have something. Like especially when your life has no goal to it. It has no end point. Like ten years from now. Is just 10 years from now. Right. Whereas when you have a kid, you're like, 10 years from now is when my kid's an adult. Yeah, my kid's going to be having married. kids. Maybe I'm going to be a grandparent. Yeah. 20 years from now, more than likely I'll be a grandparent. Or I'll, you know, like this, you, you have an actual timeline to your life when you have kids. Right. I could totally see how if you don't have kids, which ironically enough, um, I, I don't have a problem with people killing themselves if they don't have kids. Hmm. Like, it's when they have kids and they kill themselves. I don't understand. I think it's just a horrible fucking person. Yeah, I, I would I would wholeheartedly disagree with that uh, because of uh, the black belt that I knew that did it. Yeah, I don't think he was a horrible person. I think there was something 
severely wrong with his mind and he had zero control over it. Well, you certainly can't put yourself in somebody else's like mental health shoes for sure. Right. And I'll always, I'll afford that. But for me, like I've, I definitely got depression that I have to deal with and I have always come down to my daughter Yeah. and I've gotten through stuff. Like there's some, there are some points in my life. Like I had one point in my life where I was absolutely sure that there was no way that I was like, not even a matter of whether I wanted to, there is no way that I should have come through that. Yeah. Like you could not have, like you could not have written a movie where it was scripted, where there had been so much failure that was outside of my control on top of chemical changes that were outside of my control that happened all at once. And I honestly was like, there's no way I'm supposed to survive this. Like I am, my life ends now, which, which is funny because the person I became after getting through all of that. And I got through that because I was like, I'm not leaving my daughter behind. Right. Um, it doesn't matter. Like I was like, okay, uh, there's there's medication. If medication doesn't work, I'm gonna be a junkie. Yeah. I will just spend the rest of my life doped up on meth or heroin or something. <laughs> but I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, I was able to find medication, and I was able, and that was enough of a stepping stone that I could look into supplementation. I could look into activity, like being being active and lifestyle changes. Mountain biking and martial arts. Perspective, perspective. Like to me, I, I'm pretty annoying. I'm constantly giving these analogies for martial arts or for going through um, overcoming things, and it's more so when I say that it's more so for me yeah. to to re. Like, I don't really give a fuck if you, if people are motivated by what I say, I'm saying it to remind myself right. that this is, this yeah. is what we, this is the, you know, having an ethos was really important to me to figure out like why I do what I do. Yeah. What is my reasoning behind it? Yeah. It doesn't matter if anyone agrees with me or not on that yeah. or even having one. It's what gets me through stuff. Yeah. So it's really easy for me to look at people and go like, well, my kid, I got through because my kid, why can't you get through your kid? Yeah. But you know, we all... It could literally be you didn't have it as bad as I am and you're not as strong as I am yeah. and I have all the right in the world to judge you as a horrible fucking person for not living for your kids. Right. Or I, it could be you had it way worse than I did and yeah. I just, I can't because it was so bad for me relative to the rest of my life. I can't comprehend it being worse than that. Yeah. Maybe it was though for you. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing that it's, it's all individual perspective because from the outside looking at the black belt's life, there is nothing wrong. And maybe there wasn't. Maybe there was just a portion of his brain that wasn't firing properly, um, that was broken, disconnected, whatever whatever that is, that just kept forcing him down that path and it just got to the point where he couldn't fight it anymore. And so, he, and again, he hung himself. But I've met people who, like, they're literally homeless. They don't own anything. They have, like, drug addictions and everyone thinks they're a fucking loser. Their kids won't talk to them. Like, everything about their life fucking sucks, but they're super happy. Yeah. Oh, so, I worked at Vancouver's Chinatown. I dealt with homeless all the time. And I'll tell you, though, some of those people down there, they were living the life that they were meant to live. I, I To the point where I had a discussion with my pastor that I'm not a big fan of donating to, to homeless shelters and stuff uh, just because of the people I met in Chinatown. Almost exclusively, those people wouldn't have picked a different life uh, of the ones that I knew that uh, I'm sure there was ones down there that wanted a different life. They were just in a hard place. But all the ones I knew, which was a lot, a few hundred people, if you were to give them a house, a job, a family, everything that we think is normal in society, they would get right back to where they were. Just goes to show that 
the life you lead and the wiring you have do not have the same factor into whether you're happy. Right. They don't. They absolutely don't because I met some homeless people that they would complain, but I know people that have big houses and lots of money and, and they complain too. And, you know, it's just part of the... Which is funny because, like, that's definitely something I found, like, through getting through my problems, which, you know, I really just went through, I, I, I found that my happiness came from not living a life that everyone else lives. We talked about that at length before, too, about your perspective and what you're going after, and then your goals aren't the same as normal society's goals, right? Well, it's, in, it's an interesting thing of perceived happiness and perceived goals, because if you take away how I've gotten to where I am and what I do to maintain that, yeah. I'm living the life that almost everybody wants to live. The problem is, is I don't have the status symbols that come along with that that don't make you happy. Yeah. Like there was a long time ago, I used to work, like my record I think was 120 some odd hours in one week I worked. I've done like for one straight shift, I had 42 hours straight is the longest I've actually been. This is doing labor. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty familiar with working hard and I remember like my motivation would be like, okay, you know what, this is going to pay me such and such thousand dollars. I'm going to have so much extra money this paycheck and then I'd have nothing to show for it afterwards because you just, what do you do with money really? You spend it on stuff. Yeah. I had a job that I was so committed to that I couldn't take time off so I couldn't go enjoy it. Right. So instead I, you know, I ate really nice meals for my lunch break. I, mean, I didn't go to McDonald's. I went to an actual like steak restaurant. Um, I didn't go out and drink cheap beer. I went out and drank like expensive cocktails at like a yeah. lounge, not yeah. a cheap bar. But in the end, like when you think about like what these rewards, like, I drove a nice car, I lived somewhere nice, I had nice clothes and stupid yeah. shit like that. And that was my reward for ruining my life. <laughs> right. Whereas now, I work my average, like I did, so I did taxes last year and I roughly know about how much I make an hour. Breaking that down, I worked on average 20 hours a week last week. Yeah, last year. Or sorry, yeah, last year. Yeah. Um, so 20 hours a week enabled me for the most days I was able to take my daughter to school. I was the last person she saw before she went to school. I was able to pick her up. I was the first person she saw after school. Yeah. Um, I was able to do things with her. Most, most nights I was there, we, we had our meals together. We were able to go do hobbies. And I think about all the things that I've been able to accomplish that make me happy, Yeah. not just give me money. Right. And yeah, absolutely. People look at me and they're like, you don't make, well, it's funny because I, 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 I don't know. I make an all right amount of money for, especially yeah. how little I work. Yeah. Um, but they, it's like, well, you're not making a ton of money. Yeah. You're not living in a big house. You're not driving fancy vehicles. You're not going on fancy vacations. But you had that stuff and you had didn't have happiness. I was miserable. Yeah. I fucking hated my life. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny because, like, every now and then it creeps back into my head. But literally, there was points in my life at, when I was, like, I literally was, so the height of my career, I was in a management position, like, where I ran the entire company. It was, um twice I did that and it was it was out of a, a larger company but I ran the regional office um, and then ran sales for the entire company at another another one um, making a lot of money uh, having a lot of respect not just in my company but in in the industry I worked in and driving a nice vehicle and living in a nice house and Definitely, you know, you notice that people give you respect for your status. Yeah. I fucking literally walked around constantly saying in my head, literally constantly saying in my head, fuck, I hate my life. Yeah. And every now and then <laughs> something will go wrong at work. Like I'll, like I'll get a call and they'll be like, oh, we need you to do a little extra. And I think to myself, oh, I'm going to be late getting home now. And it's like, fuck, I hate my life. I'm like, no, no, no. 
don't fall back into that routine because you right. don't hate your life anymore. Right. Think about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, I don't. This is just a minor yeah. frustration. But literally, I walked around every day literally saying the words, fuck, I hate my life. I know. Yeah. I, and I think there's a lot of people in that position and it's uh, it's not a good place to be and, and to find... Uh, I, I don't want to judge other people. I did up until a couple of years ago when I ran Submit. There was a guy that came to class. He didn't have a full-time job. His wife paid all the bills. He, he made money. Um, he stayed home. He cooked and got the kid ready for school and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, what kind of man would do this? And then as I got to know him, I really, really liked the guy. I saw that he had the perfect life. His wife enjoyed doing what she was doing. The, the family organization worked perfectly. And I went, oh... Not everybody has to do the things the same way. Not every dad has to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week to, to make his family happy. Maybe you do. Maybe that's the only way you can keep your wife and your kids happy is to be gone from the house and bring in lots of cash. I'm not judging It's a anybody. theory though, right? You can't it say is. for sure. Like I was saying with uh, dealing with depression, like you don't know what it's like to be somebody else. Right. It doesn't matter whether you've dealt with the same thing or not. It's not the exact same thing. It'll never be the exact same thing. So I look at that now and I used to look at someone like you and go, well, that lazy asshole. Like, why isn't he just put in more hours? I honestly did. And now I look at it and I go, oh, that's because I've changed my perspective where I'm like, I don't want to work more hours. I don't want to have more stuff. Because what does it mean when you work more hours? It just means you're spending more is all it does. Yeah. And what is spending more? It doesn't mean more happiness. It really doesn't. I enjoy spending time with my kids. Uh, like I said, my long-term goal is to be a healthy grandfather. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, if I had to work five hours a day while my grandkids are in school and I can help out my kids by picking them up or dropping them off or, or doing whatever, that that's my end goal. Although one could say it's about perspective. Yeah. Um, I know what my time is worth. My time's worth a fair bit amount of money. Fortunately, I don't, which is nice because I don't have to work a lot to make my, to pay my bills. Yeah. But when I factor in how much money I'm losing by taking time off for my kids and then factor in that, or not, not factor in, but take the perspective that I'm buying time with my kids based on how much money my time is worth. Yeah. I'm making a shitload of money and spending a shitload of money so I can spend time with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. There's, I think too many people get stuck in this, uh, uh, everyday routine where they think, Oh, I have to do this. I have to please my boss. I have to make this amount of money where what they need to do is uh, reverse engineer and go, well, what do I really want, right? Do you want a big house? Well, okay, then you have to work more, right? Do you want to have a, a small apartment? I think the problem is, is you don't know until you get there. Well, and I think if we discuss it more, people will figure it out before they get yeah. there, right? It won't just be the, Start the with, default. Right. Start with the, the, the deep, don't fall for the default that you have to work long hours and you have to make lots of money because you don't. Uh, you, you don't work long hours, you don't make bucket loads of money, and you're a pretty happy guy most of the time. Um, you know, I work longer hours, uh, probably the same per hour, my end of my year is bigger than you, um, uh, but that didn't, that's not what generates my happiness. Uh, what generates my happiness is time with my family. So I organize my life so that uh, I can do things that I like to do for me. Uh, Jordan Peterson again, do what's right for me first, and then what's right for my family. And uh, we both live very, very different lives. Uh, and I think we probably have pretty close to the same amount of happiness. Uh, the same amount of, uh, we're both going to reach our end goals. I think the funny thing is, is we do pretty much the same hobbies. 
Very similar, yeah. Like the things that actually matter to us are yeah. the same things. Like in some cases, like literally the same because we do them yeah. together. So yeah, it just comes to a different different way that people live their lives, I guess is what it comes down to. Like what you're comfortable with, what you're, you know, I think that it comes down to we all have our insecurities. Yeah. And for some of us, we need to make money. Even if we have nothing to show for it, there's an insecurity that says, you know, maybe I didn't grow up with money. I need to know that I'm making money, even if I've got nothing to show for it. And I know people like that too, for yeah. sure. Well, I think there's lots of that in life. When we discussed that, uh, I don't know, when we with coffee, where we were talking about, uh, I think we were talking about church people, or some church people go to church just so they could tell people they go to church, that they're not there. Pretty much everyone that goes to church is a loser. <laughs> right? Uh, no. no. I, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly. I go to church. I don't feel like I'm a loser. <laughs> Um, but there are definitely bad people in church, but there's also really, really good people in the hell of angels. How do you, how do you say that one thing or one culture makes you or doesn't make you a good person? I just don't think it's true that, um, you know, everyone needs to be working every day at their happiness and their family's happiness and being part of a community and having goals and being challenged. I think there's also a benefit in sucking at something and losing at something regularly where you go, oh, well, I don't know how I'm going to get past this. you got to figure out a way to, to be better at it. Uh, saying that everyone gets the participation trophy. That's kind of, that's an, we've talked about this too before. Um, it's way better to have people that constantly fail and are still trying. Right. People that are just always successful. I hate people that are fucking always successful. It used to blow my mind. I, I actually am quite impressed with people that are always successful. Like people that luck I into work... stuff and they give you advice. And you're like, so tell me exa- ex- exactly how I'm supposed to be lucky again? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't get the luck thing. I, I think most of what I've had to do in my life has come through hard work. There's probably been some luck in there. I don't know where that luck has come in. Uh, maybe my I'm lucky to have the wife that I have. I think you're incredibly lucky. It, we've actually, I've talked with some of our friends when you haven't been around about how you luck into some amazing situations. <laughs> but you also seem to have this amazing ability to just like work your ass off with yeah. that luck and to, to uh, not just do that, but to uh, appreciate when that luck has happened. Oh yeah, for sure. Which I, is, I, that's a problem for me. I definitely have had some situations where I, I think I fail a lot and it's been a lot of out of my control. Yeah. With that said, I've had a lot of luck in my life, Yeah. but there's definitely been situations where I've had luck fall in my lap and haven't had a fucking clue what to do with it or even to realize that it happened. Yeah. And I know that's true of my life too, that, uh, uh, I guess if I really dug deep, I could say there, there's been a lot of luck in my life. I'm lucky to have the wife that I have. I'm lucky that my... Well, just the fact that we're not born in Africa with AIDS is like a huge amount of luck. Uh, yeah. Like the... when you think about like, I literally, I at any point in my day, I can stop and get a glass of clean water for free. Yeah. That is like, that seems kind of ridiculous, but that's like the majority of the people on the planet cannot drink water without the fear of dying. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. If you put it that way, well, I'm extremely lucky then. Uh, and I think a, a big part is, uh, um, shit, I can't remember the saying now, but uh, um, luck favors hard work or something like that. That. Uh, well, I think it's funny, like, you know, I'm not a religious guy, but there is that text where, uh, you know, this might be one of those things that isn't actually in the Bible and everyone says it is, which is, there's a lot of those, but yeah. they say, what is it, God helps those that help themselves. Yeah. Um, that's true with most things, and that whether you want to call it luck or not, the fact of the matter is, is if you haven't put the effort in to have the knowledge, the understanding, 
um, to make the most out of your luck. Your luck won't matter. Right. So speaking about luck, I, uh, I'm going to change the subject here a little bit because uh, as you're talking about it, made me think more about how lucky uh, or what was lucky in my life and what wasn't. And so this is a brand new podcast. We're, we're really close to hitting our goal of our, our uh, website going live and getting our emails up and running. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We still got three weeks left to, to have those goals Well, set. this podcast is luck too, right? Like I did nothing for this podcast and here I am in our like multi-million dollar studio, which is not a kitchen. Not a kitchen. It's definitely and, not uh, a kitchen. I've done very little for this. So I've been very fortunate <laughs> for this opportunity. Uh, and speaking about good opportunities is that, uh, I don't know if this is a stalker thing or what, I'm going to say this at the, the, um, I live on a risk. main, I live on a main road on the second floor. So I really, I, I can't, I can't really, um, complain about you stalking me. So go ahead. Oh, so yeah, this isn't about stalking <laughs> you that, uh, we don't want people to know about that, but, uh, we want this podcast to grow. We, there's lots of things that you and I like, lots of celebrities that, we, that you and I like, we, uh, this is a big risk me even saying this because if it doesn't pan out being that he's a celebrity, then uh, we're going to look really stupid. But I'm going to say it anyways because I believe it's going to happen. Uh, there's a celebrity that I've been following on Instagram and Facebook and commenting. We've been talking back and forth and uh, he is coming to town to do a show and I just offered him to come to a podcast that's not even up and running yet and he's a great. So uh, we're hoping on July 26th to be doing a podcast with Robin Black, Canadian celebrity, MMA, color commentator, um, what's the uh, glam rock superstar? Intergalactic rock star. Intergalactic rock star. I'm such a big fan of this guy. I'm hoping not to fanboy out when he's here just having good conversations with him. But uh, you know what? Is that lucky? I think that's very lucky. But... It would have never happened had I not stalked him on uh, Instagram. It certainly wouldn't have happened if I'd stalked him on Instagram. <laughs> Maybe that's true too. But uh, super excited. Um, we have lots of cool guests coming up in our near future. We're sort of figuring stuff out right now. Uh, that's why it's been mostly me and Mark just doing it ourselves, having discussions, you know, working on our technical stuff, working on our conversation skills. So when we get someone like Robin Black and, and uh, some other celebrities, I'm hoping to come on, that, uh, that it'll be a good podcast for everybody. That's what we're hoping for. Well, and I don't think it's just going to be the celebrities. I think a big part of this is talking to people about um, maybe questions that we all would have or not even questions that we uh, we we even know to ask. I was recently talking to my coach who owns the club I train at. Yeah. I'd love to have him on. He said he'd come on. That's great. And the funny part is, is I asked him, I'm like, would you be into coming on my podcast? And he was like, absolutely. And then immediately started telling me stories about what it was like when MMA first started up. I know. I know. And I was like, perfect. This guy's great. Like, cause we've, I've, I literally just, I asked him if he'd come on and he's already gone into full blown, like awesome podcast guest. Well, you shared the one that he did with somebody else and it was very good. He's a, he's a great speaker. He has great stories. He is an innovator in the sport. Well, and here's a good one too. Like you, you, maybe this is you, maybe more than likely you have that friend who watches like the UFC or something and goes, I can beat the shit out of that guy. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. I've got someone who literally has proven that he has the ear of UFC matchmakers, and he will yes. come tell us why or what it takes to be 
someone who fights in the UFC. That's his, that's what he's, he's done in the past a few times now. He's had at least two fighters in the UFC yep. and then lots of fighters in other organizations. And he's the guy who made the call and said, hey, UFC, these guys are ready to fight in the UFC. Right. And the UFC said, UFC said, okay, let's do it. So we can talk to him and we can find out about... Super excited like, for that. Isn't that, that a podcast. good question? Like, what what does it take to be... Like, not, not just a matter of, like, figuratively speaking, though, like, from someone who's done this before, what does it take to be a UFC fighter? 100%, because it's not even that that person is ready to be a UFC fighter. That coach is willing to put his reputation on the line for what that fighter's going to do in the ring. Oh, yeah, because you're not going to, they're not going to take your opinion if you fucked up this time. That's right. Time. If you kept sending morons or uh, unskilled people up and say, no, no, this guy's ready, he, he's good, and all of your fighters get their pants beat off of them, UFC is not going to listen to you anymore. And so Brian, I don't know if I can say his name, uh, this coach shouldn't uh, be sending people up that he doesn't have complete faith in. And uh, I don't think any coach should be doing that. So I'm super curious to see what the checklist is that he has. What's, what's his stamp of approval? Yeah, that, that to me is, uh, is going to be really, really interesting. So there's all these people coming up that think, oh, I could fight that guy in the UFC. Well, you know what? You better get a good coach because if your coach is filling your head full of crap, and uh, you can barely get through a training session. You think you're going to take on a Demetrius Johnson or um, anybody in the UFC. Those people, every single person that's got a contract in the UFC has put some, uh, maybe other than CM Punk, has put some <laughs> serious effort into being there, and they're highly skilled athletes. Well, that's an interesting thing, though, that CM Punk has taken a road that's gotten him to where he is and it's not an easy road to get there it's he, just not he's skilled one. he's just not a skilled fighter he's a skilled celebrity for sure for sure because that guy made more money than most fighters have made this year he's made more money than me yeah in that one fight that one fight, that one fight. <laughs> yeah so uh, anyways uh, going forward um, oh, yeah. it, we're two of the luckiest of guys in podcasts we're two of the we luckiest we don't have AIDS <laughs> Because we don't have AIDS, uh, we're two of the luckiest guys with the families we've got. We're two, uh, we're two pretty lucky guys, I guess. But we're also uh, hardworking guys that are going to make this successful. And uh, opening the door, if you're someone who thinks you've got something interesting that the average person would be interested in knowing about that yeah. doesn't, then uh, you know, send us, send us your, uh, your info. Pretty soon, you don't I... have to be a celebrity to be interesting. No, not have at something, all. Have some information that we don't know. I got a list of like, I don't know, what did I, what did I send you that list? It was probably 150 people that I I think matched. those are just your friends, to be honest. But Some of them are friends, <laughs> some of them are customers. Some, some but, person uh, you, you walked by at the grocery store yeah. that had a nice hat on. Like, hey, you want to be my podcast? <laughs> uh, it's not quite the, I, I think I'm a little bit You're more into socks than, than hats, that. right? Uh, well, I don't mind people with interesting socks either. Uh, but no, the people on my list are super, super interesting. What I am figuring out, though, is that through conversation, um, sometimes it, we're the per person that holds the conversation, and that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody that is going to uh, give good, interesting information uh, that we don't have to dig it out of them. I think it's really interesting, for the most part, people that seem to have really good information and insights to give on how this world works, you don't usually have to ask very hard. True. More than half, which is kind of weird that people just explode information, yeah. aren't... Are, there aren't more knowledgeable people in the world because it's apparently very easy to get uh, to get informed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's uh, in in the short. Let's write the owner's manual that didn't come with our bodies because we, for some of us, very much need it. Right, and right. Uh, keep moving forward. So all the people out there, especially men, I want you to uh... send dick pics to Chad. <laughs>
I'm not putting the email up for that. Uh, we want you guys to be healthy. We want you guys to be happy. We're going to work towards uh, uh, getting more information for men's health, more information about martial arts, psychology, um, psychiatry, SSRIs, uh, sorry, pharmaceuticals. Um, we're we're going to be working on getting you guys some really, really interesting information um, going forward. So we're hoping for men's health to get better. Uh, we'll be part of that somehow. I'm not sure how yet. Just going to be getting information. I think we're nearing the end of the podcast now. I want to know. Trailing if... off with Mark <laughs> and Chad. Uh, my brain is sort of starting to fire now. I'm sorry if it wasn't an exciting podcast, but. Uh, um... I just finished my coffee. You should go get another one because I'm going to go get another one. Time Thanks for joining us. Happy, I want to know. Have a good day. I want to know.